Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. The start of the 2022 MLB season still uncertain. Uh, The lockout's still in effect. We don't know when spring training will be, when the start of the season will be, but we are going to push ahead with our annual position preview rankings episodes anyway. The plan is to use the next few weeks to break down each position for fantasy managers discussing the top options, possible sleepers, busts, breakouts, and rookies to keep an eye on. Drew and I are going to start things today, with, but Colin and Chris will handle first base next week. And then so on. We're actually going to shift to two episodes per week uh, in the coming weeks here so we can get through all these positions and hopefully get us into spring training, which is going to be a crazy time once the lockout is finally lifted because there's going to be a lot of player movement as well as just the usual draft stuff that we talk about. So it's going to be crazy eventually. And I'm still optimistic. And Drew, we we pulled rank here to get us started. We took the catcher position. I I know Colin and Chris really wanted it, but we managed to take it away from them. We're going to break down catchers today. I guess it's a good way to to get this thing started. and It fits the mood. It's just kind of depressing to talk about catchers. It's kind of like the kicker position if you play a lot of fantasy football. But I don't know. There's some new talent emerging at the position that could give it a needed lift for fantasy purposes. And we'll get into all those names as we go along. I mean, it's certainly not like, you know, the five category guys, the influx of talent you've seen at like the shortstop position. But we'll take anything new and even remotely exciting when it comes to catchers and if you play in a lot of two catcher leagues like man i I get that that raises the level of competition but you know thinking good thoughts for your sanity out there and you know granted i did find things to like here even as i I was getting into like the teens and and maybe even into the 20s small things to like but but nonetheless yeah and and the other thing is that at least with the catcher position i think that this episode is going to be pretty evergreen because even when the lockout is lifted, I don't think much is going to change with catchers and and how we evaluate them. Maybe, I I don't know. I don't think Adley Rutschman is going to make the Orioles opening day roster, but that's not really going to change my ranking. So I I feel pretty comfortable with where I am. It's not going to change going into whenever spring training is, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, there are some trade candidates here, but it's not like there's a ton of free agent. There's really yeah. no everyday free agent catcher out there on the market that I could think of off the top of my head. So yeah, this this feels pretty evergreen. It's probably a good one to start us off with. I, I guess in years past, we'd be a few positions in already at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so we yeah. tried to wait as long as we could, but we we're bored we we want to talk about some baseball so so we're gonna do that we're gonna start talking about 2022 here before we do that a quick word for our listeners and those starting to dig into fantasy baseball prep the 2022 nbc sports edge fantasy baseball draft guide is available now and we're giving our listeners a special offer get 22 percent off our draft guide and an annual edge plus subscription when you use promo code bases 22 We'll get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. And again, use that promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Don't forget also the 2022 Draft Guide magazine is available in stores now if you want to pick it up. A lot of great work went into that and it looks awesome too with Bo Bichette on the cover Maybe my favorite cover we've done in recent years. Yeah, I, I love it. I've seen it out and about. So um, you know, check your drug stores and Barnes and Noble, any anywhere that that still has magazines. It's a pretty good chance you'll see it out there. So definitely yeah, check. That found out. it at my uh, local grocery store awesome. on Sunday. Yeah, that never gets old, man. I, I just I love yeah. it. It's awesome. I made my wife stop in the aisle. She's like, "We don't need anything down this <laughs> aisle," and I'm like. And there was a, I shouldn't say this, but there was a Lindy's magazine right next to it. And so I, I made sure to cover up. The oh, that's not very nice. I, I've done, Sorry. I've done that sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> I put all of our magazines, like all across the whole display. Who would do that? I guess they really, I, like this out. I guess they really like us. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I think what we're going to do is we're each going to list off our top 12 catchers and then we'll just go off from there. So you can go first, Drew. Cool. Awesome. I've, I feel like we're going to have some different rankings here because it was a little hard. All right. Number one, Salvador Perez. Number two, Will Smith. Three, JT Realmuto. Four, Yasmani Grandal. Five, Wilson Contreras. Six, Dalton Varsho. Seven, Tyler Stevenson. Eight, Kyber Ruiz. 9, Mitch Garver, 10, Joey Bart, 11, Adley Rutschman, and 12, Travis Darnot. All right. So some similar names. There are some differences as we get to the bottom of your top 12. I have uh, Salvi Perez, number one, JT Romuto, number two, Will Smith, number three, number four, Yasmani Grandal, number five, Dalton Varsho, six, Wilson Contreras, seven, Tyler Stevenson, eight, Adley Rutschman, 9, Mitch Garver, 10, K-Bear Ruiz, 11, Alejandro Kirk, 12, Christian Vasquez. So we do, we do have some differences here, but where there is no debate is number one, um, Salvador Perez after the amazing season that he had last year. Tied Vlad Jr. for the MLB lead, 48 homers, led the majors with 121 RBIs. The first majority catcher, to win a home run crown since Johnny Bench in 1972. His ADP in NFBC right now is 33.37. So 
basically you're talking third round pick to get um, Salvi Perez. And, you know, he's been a pretty consistent power source for quite a while, Uh, but he has had this progression really over the past two seasons where the barrel rate has just shot up. Obviously he has like flaws if you're talking about an OBP league, but you know, power clearly he has the most upside of the group and playing time, you know, if he's healthy, it's going to be there too. So uh, I don't think there's much debate about Salvi being at number one. Coming off a historic season, like you mentioned, some of that production did come out of the DH spot. Yeah, so there's maybe yeah. an asterisk on some of the records that he set, but you know that's built into the fantasy profile and, and why Perez is so appealing that he can have such a leg up on games played compared to most catchers who get a ton of rest. Yeah, and the DH is coming to the National League, so we we've got to adjust on how that's going to raise the playing time for certain. NL catchers, and we'll get into that. But yeah, back to Salvi. I'm stealing this stat from Derek Van Riper on Twitter, who also does a great podcast. Salvador Perez had 255 batted balls clocked with a 95-plus mile-per-hour exit velocity last year. The next closest catcher had 156, so 99 fewer, and that was Real Muto. And among all Major League hitters, only Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had more batted balls clocked at 95 plus miles per hour yeah um yeah I, he made a commitment to being even more of a pitter even more of a power hitter for for maybe a drop in on base percentage not that obp has ever been a strength for him and whatever he did obviously paid off and beyond the homers and rbis perez has a, a 284 batting average that makes him unique among catchers and an 884 ops of 132 ops plus over the last two years combined and the Royals lineup should be productive, you know, hopefully helped by the arrival of Bobby Witt Jr. Maybe at the start of the season or hopefully like uh, pretty early on. Yeah. And you're right. Like if you go to baseball savant and you look at Salvador Perez's page from last season, I mean, he's, he's red. I mean, other than like, you know, swinging out of the strike zone, walk, stuff like that. Uh, He did have the lowest contact rate of his career last season, but you know, he's concentrating more on power he was in the 93rd percentile on barrel rate last year. You were mentioning how elite he was with 95 uh, plus mile per hour batted balls, 99th percentile and hard hit percentage, 94th percentile on average exit velocity. So this was not a fluke. He deserved what he did last year. Is it going to hit, you know, 40 homers again, 40 plus homers? I, I don't know. I, I, I'd probably take slightly under right yeah. now, but he still has that potential. And I would still take him, you know, right now, if I had to guess, I would say he's going to lead all catchers and homers. I don't think there's any, there, maybe there's some slight doubt. You could, you could pick another guy on this list to be close, but yeah, I think he deserves it. Whether I'm going to take him third round, that's a, that's another question altogether. I think if you don't take Salvi early, you're probably going to maybe wait. Yeah. But yeah, I think the gap between him and these other guys is, you know, it's deserved why why uh, his ADP is where it is right now. Yeah, so you had Smith uh, three. I had Real Muto. I have Real Muto three, Smith two. And yeah. to me, there's not like a huge gap here. I think there's a gap from Salvi to to these other two. But you know, I feel like the, the full Will Smith experience is ready to be unleashed. I mean, I, I agree. King, and especially yeah. with the the DH coming to the NL, I think it makes a big yep. difference for him. And you know, Oscar nominated for King Ralph, uh, the, the Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel Air reboot on Peacock. 
nice good plug yeah i had to get the peacock plug in there <laughs> but yeah the, the universal dh is definitely part of this smith got a big jump in playing time last year and i would imagine he's one of a number of players the dodgers are going to cycle through the designated hitter role and you know the offensive numbers when smith has been on the field speak loudly enough 35 homers 105 rbis for every 162 games played since he broke into the league in 2019 a career 892 OPS, 136 OPS plus, um, some significant postseason moments along the way. Smith hit cleanup a lot in the regular season last year. Could see more of that this year, or fifth is fine too in that lineup behind you know the likes of Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Max Muncie if he's healthy. Um, a deep lineup again for Los Angeles. Lots to like here as he ent- he's about to turn 27 years old, I believe, like sometime during. Uh, maybe late March, I believe. Uh, but yeah, 26, 27, kind of, kind of the baseball prime usually. Yeah. Power and patience. Like he has the patience that Salvi Perez doesn't have and strikeouts were up a little bit with Smith last year, but he doesn't chase pitches outside of the strike zone. Um, so you could see him with, you know, some additional at bats. Let's say he plays 145 games, something like that. It could be 30 plus homers easily. Yep. And then turn those, RBIs, you know, 85, 80 runs scored. I mean, that's going to be really, really nice. So I think there's a chance, chance, obviously, that he could be number two. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that's certainly open for debate. Um, I think Real Muto with me, it just it's the complete package of, of what he does. And there's some safety in that, too. I think the speed that he offers, which is rare, but increasingly maybe not rare at the catcher position is a bonus for him. It always has been, obviously not a great year across the board for him last season. All adds up to be a really useful player. I think the thing to watch with real Muto is the strikeout rate. It was 24.6% in 2020 and then 24% last year. And, you know, if you remembered him during his time with the Marlins, uh, he wasn't known as someone that struck out very much and hovered around 20% and below for basically the extent of his time at the Marlins. So is he a 270, 280 hitter anymore? I don't think so. So he's not the strongest bet in that category that he once was, but he's not going to hurt you either. 250, 260. At some point, maybe the, the speed will start to decline, but I don't think we're anywhere near that point right now. And I think with giving up some of the contact, He's added a little bit more power. He's a little bit safer there. I like the ballpark in Philadelphia. Uh, we'll see if they improve the lineup. But another one of those catchers that with the DH coming to the NL, you know, he can get some time there and for maintenance reasons, which is big, I think, for catchers. And, of course, the Phillies will do everything they can to have him in the lineup. So Real Muto has a 51.95 ADP on, on NFC right now. And Will Smith, I don't know if he mentioned 6203. So not much difference between those two. And I think there is certainly a debate between them. Yeah, the, me putting Real Muto at, at three is not because I'm I'm down on him. He, he yeah. offers an, an element of speed that most catchers don't. Like you said, 91st percentile in sprint speed last year among all big leaguers, even at age 30 as a catcher, which is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, turns 31 this March and he's an efficient base dealer too. caught on only five of his last 31 attempts. Mm-hmm. So he probably could run more yeah. if he really wanted to. The power is kind of leveled off. 
but there is 25 homer production in there. We've seen it before, and there's a certain reliability to how the Phillies lean on Real Muto entering the second year of a five-year, $115 million contract he signed with Philly last January. Locked into a prominent lineup spot, sometimes hitting second, sometimes clean up, a little DH boost as well probably in the cards. So not a huge gap between Smith and Real Muto. He was banged up a little bit last year, mm-hmm. too. So I want to take that into account. He did have the fracture in his thumb during spring training. Actually played really well once he did uh, join the Phillies, but had a shoulder issue, had a bruised hand at one point. So I, I think having the DH spot is going to be really big for him. And I think we could see a, a pretty decent bounce back um, yeah. counting stat wise for him. So I think we both had Grandal at four. Yeah, I'm glad to glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you're playing in an OBP league, Grandel's popularity should soar. Sure. Had a 420 on base percentage last season, which was third among all hitters who logged at least 350 plate appearances, only behind Juan Soto and Bryce Harper. He did miss time with a torn tendon in his left knee and, and needed a follow-up procedure in October, but that should all be in the rear view by the time the regular season gets underway whenever that happens. And beyond the great plate approach, Grandal has hit at least 22 home runs in every full season since 2016, got to 23 homers in only 93 games last year. Uh, Again, missed time with a knee injury, but should be over it. A dynamic lineup around him there on the White Sox, which helps the teammate dependent fantasy categories like runs and RBIs. I like Grandal a ton. I don't think he's going as the fourth catcher right now. No, it doesn't seem so. Yeah. He had a he had a weird season last year. For many people, they thought, or, or you know, in a standard fantasy five by five kind of format, you were frustrated with Grandal through the first two months last year because he was hitting one thirty one, but with a ton he of walks, he had a three eighty five <laughs> on base percentage <laughs> and a seventeen o seven eighteen OPS uh, during that time. But after the end of May last year, Memorial Day weekend. He actually hit 300 with 17 homers, 442 on base June 1st on. Granted, he didn't miss seven weeks with that knee injury you mentioned, but he was basically a superstar after May 31st Mm -hmm. last year. So, you know, if he could show a little bit more consistency, we know the power is there. We like the lineup. I think he has a lot of upside. It's just you're probably not going to count on batting average, really. Yes. So Varsho is actually going as the fourth catcher off the board right now. We should just... Get to him. Where did you have him? I have, an, I have him at number five. Okay. I had him sixth. Okay. Um, yeah. A top 100 overall average draft position right now. And, and I get the hype. Like he really seemed to figure it out down the stretch last yeah. season. He's a really unique athlete who can play both catcher and center field. Yeah. Um, the, the speed that makes him rare among the options here. I, I'm just not ready to rank him above Grandal or Contreras for that matter. I can talk about Contreras in a second. You know, they're, the, they're the more proven types. Those guys can seem boring, but I think you get in a little trouble only chasing upside, especially at catcher. Um, I think ranking Varsho sixth at, at catcher acknowledges the upside, but also like leaves a, a little room for him to grow, so to speak. Yeah. Through his first 132 major league games, Varsho is at a 231 batting average, 310 on base percentage, 14 homers and nine steals. Um, if he were only outfield eligible, you know, the hype, the ADP obviously wouldn't be near what it is. Sure. I don't think he'd even go top 200. Um, so should the catcher eligibility really mean that much 
in the full context, it means a lot um, because, again, this position is super shallow and it's hard to find guys that can fill multiple categories. Um, I, I guess it depends on how you build your roster, how your draft goes. Like maybe target stolen bases elsewhere if you don't believe that Varsho is ready to really explode this season. Yeah, I mean, what we saw down the stretch last year convinced me. Yep. Two, he hit 290 with 10 home runs and an 879 OPS over his final 60 games. Went six for six in stolen base attempts, 84th percentile in sprint speed. My, do I think he's going to hit 290 over a full season? No, I would take 250, 260. But you know, if he can hit 15 homers and steal 20 bases, like that's huge. That's yeah. pretty huge. Yeah, that's pretty huge. And uh, it does seem like he's going to get some good run in center field. He'll probably play enough behind the plate to keep that catcher eligibility going into 2023. But yeah, strictly for this year, even, you know, he's going to be the primary center fielder most likely, but you know, you can benefit from that, that catcher eligibility. And I think he's going to be a lot of fun. So at Contreras fifth, he's a really tricky player to evaluate where we sit right now in the middle or hopefully nearing the end of the lockout eligible for arbitration for the final time this winter still hasn't had that hearing or any settlement obviously to determine his salary for 2022 like would a trade have already happened had there been no freeze on transactions it's it's all kind of hard to say I, I, we expect a flurry of activity whenever a new cba does get put in place including trades Contreras could be one of the bigger names on the move he could, he would look great on the yankees he would look great on, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Yankees are a really good fit, and that stadium would be really nice for his power. He just doesn't really line up with a, a projection for the next wave of of Cubs success. So I think they would like to to trade him before the season begins if they can get a, a decent deal, rather than holding on to him through the tra- or into the trade deadline. Um, so me placing him fifth overall here is somewhat based on like the thought uh, that he'll be wearing a different uniform to start the 2022 season, being a better lineup possibly staring down free agency next winter if you want to add that narrative. Uh, Last year, Contreras ranked in the 95th percentile of all hitters in max exit velocity, 88th percentile in average exit velocity, 86th percentile in hard hit rate. Um, That's kind of been his game. When he makes contact, the ball goes a long way. It it causes some frustration. He's a very streaky hitter sometimes. Um, but I don't think we've seen his best yet when it comes to counting stats like homers and RBIs. And he is a two-time all-star, so he's not like an unproven player. Um, had that 888 OPS in 2019, but his career high right now for homers is 24. Career high for RBIs is 74. I, we could be looking at a possible age 29 to 30 breakout for Contreras, quite possibly with a new team. And yeah, Yankee Stadium would be a super nice place for him to try to do that. My only, I guess, downer about him is he's hit 249 or lower in three out of the last four seasons. A little worrisome, but if he does go to a place like Yankee Stadium, you 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 know you would probably expect some some better luck on that front. Um, I have him sixth just based on him being on the Cubs, but you know, obviously his stock can improve if he ends up getting traded. I, I think it'll happen at some point this year, whether it happens before the season, we'll see. But again, I, I think he is in that safe category. Like if you, if you get him, mm. I mean, he's, his uh, ADP on NFC is uh, 
So if you get him in those middle rounds, you're probably just like, okay, that'll work. That's good enough, you know, and, and we'll see kind yeah. of where the chips fall. So certainly he's a respectable option. You've been in a snake draft before where like there's, you know, someone sniped you and you're kind of like, ah, I might as well fill the catcher position right now and, and grab Contreras. We've all been there. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's fine. So now we're going to get into a little bit more of the upside guys. I think some new blood at the catcher position. We each had Tyler Stevenson at number seven and he was impressive last year and kind of quietly i guess it hit 286 10 yeah. homers 797 ops and 402 plate appearances of course tucker barnhart was there as well but barnhart was traded to the tigers during the offseason so likely an uptick in plate appearances for stevenson uh, playing half of his games in one of the more hitter friendly venues in the sport he loved hitting at home last year Hit 314 with five homers and an 849 OPS at home compared to 260 with five homers, 749 OPS on the road. You'd still take that from your catcher, uh, those other numbers I mentioned. But obviously playing in Cincy is a nice advantage for Stevenson. Uh, Batted ball metrics are not off the charts with him. So I think that's worth monitoring, but has a good approach. The opportunities there, I think he's someone who Despite not being overly proven, I think that he is a pretty solid, safe starting catcher option in in mixed fantasy leagues. Yeah, I'm sure once fantasy draft prep season really starts to fire up, Steven's going to be getting a lot of a lot more attention, a lot more pub. He's kind of flying under the radar. Maybe it's because there's a lockout and just no one's really talking about fantasy baseball at a, a serious tone at this point. I, the profile's really intriguing. Uh, you might remember he homered in his first ever at bat in 2020 and overall since arriving in the majors a 286 batting average 367 on base percentage 441 slug through 140 games you mentioned tucker barnhart's out of the picture in cincinnati now traded to the tigers in november so that's stevenson's job now fully in cincinnati and, and great american ballpark is among the best home environments for power and just hitting in general I think there's a lot of arrows pointing up here for Stevenson, who can also play a little first base and, and is going to be an option at DH for the Reds, too. And there's a safe floor, like in his current yeah, career, career right. slash line, and, and a lot to build on, like a high ceiling uh, to reach towards yeah. as he enters his age 25 season. I just traded for him today in a dynasty league. Um, I traded Zach Granke and Josh Smith, who the Rangers got in the Joey Gallo trade from the Yankees. Uh, for Stevenson because Buster Posey retired. I needed some young blood in my dynasty league at the catcher position. And I think he's a pretty good bet to be productive for the next couple of years. Yeah. So I was, I was happy with that deal. I had Adley Rutschman at number eight. I think you had him at number 10? 11. 11. Okay. So one of my predictions for our magazine, bold predictions, I think I said he's going to be top five fantasy catcher. I think stay he, on brand. Yep. Well, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a top five fantasy catcher from the day he reaches the majors. Right. I think last year maybe makes us a little, a little skittish about that to be that bold with, uh, with prospects and especially catchers. Like it's tough, man. There's yep. the learning curve there because you're, you're handling a major league pitching staff also adjusting to major league pitching, you know, at the plate as well. Uh, Camden Yards are not as hitter friendly. They're making all those dimension changes, but he is so good, man. Like he 
has everything you want in a franchise player. I think if he was playing first base, you'd still say he's awesome. Like he can hit for average. He can hit for power. There's patience, switch hitter. I think he's the complete package. I think it's just a matter of when he will make his debut. As of now, I guess we'll see like what happens with with the CBA and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. if that has any kind of if that changes anything for the timeline, I guess we'll see. But if I had to guess right now, I think he'll be up by May 1st. And I think he's going to be really good from the jump. Where some prospects, you see them go up to AAA and maybe they strike out a little bit more, but he's just not that guy. Yeah, He's very selective at the plate. Uh, doesn't I don't think he's going to be a big strikeout guy. I think he can hit for average. I think he can hit for power. I think he's going to be a blast. Um, so I have a number eight right now, but... I have really high hopes. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about Retron. Yeah, I have high hopes too. I, I just probably won't have many shares of him this year because of where he's going in early drafts and my sort of built-in skepticism about catchers who've yet to even get a taste of the majors to see that level of, of pitching. I worry about the growing pains, like even while acknowledging that Rutschman is older than K-Bear Ruiz and, and just a year younger than Bart and Stevenson, just experience being the the differentiator, learning the demands of the position, like you said, at the MLB level and all that comes with guiding a pitching staff and a rough looking Orioles pitching staff that could take up a lot of his time. You know? Yeah. Well, trying to you know perform offensively in a home park that has undergone some dimension changes. I, I of course, understand the, the Adley hype, the number one pick in the 2019 draft, currently the top overall prospect in baseball at a lot of ranking services had an 899 OPS with 23 homers and 75 RBIs in 123 games last year between double A and triple A. And there's a great plate approach there. He seems really mature and he is 24 years old. Yeah. So you know, maybe he's ready um, and maybe he'll be the rare catcher that flourishes right away. I'm just, I I can't trust it quite yet. And, you know, maybe that's silly, but we'll find out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As the Maryland resident, or I'm not resident, I was Maryland raised. Raised. I have a lot of hope for my fellow Baltimorean Oriole fan friends. So I'm I'm very excited because that that franchise needs some hope. Yep. I think he can. I think he can be that guy. 
we've we've said that just about 10 years ago <laughs> or 12 years ago with matt weeders didn't work out but i'm sorry i don't want don't to bring up guys. matt weeders name when you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> young switch hitting catcher what can go wrong mm. All right, let me t- let me talk about KB Ruiz though. I-, I had him eighth, uh, which is probably high, but I had him tenth. Okay, but I I like him. Yeah, as well, I mean, so. an- another newish name on the fantasy catcher landscape, which we'll take. Uh, but he's been a top prospect for a while now. A big part of the Nationals' return last year from the Dodgers and the Max Scherzer Trey Turner trade finished the 2021 season strong down the stretch there in Washington. Projects to be the everyday catcher for the Nats going into 2022 and the future for them at that position in the long term. You look to the AAA numbers from last year, Ruiz slash 310, 377 OBP, 616 slugging percentage with 21 homers and 59 RBIs in 72 games between Oklahoma City, which is the Dodgers affiliate, and Rochester, which is the Nationals affiliate. Juan Soto needs some help. Um, Ruiz can be part of that needed help. He hit fifth a few times in the final month last season. Um, so I, it feels like they already trust him a lot. That could be where he settles this season, possibly even moving up to clean up. We often see growing pains for young catchers. Just, just talked about that. And Ruiz is only 23 years old, younger than Rutschman. But again, he's been knocking on the door, uh, going back to his days in the Dodgers system. And, and it looks like Washington is, is ready to, to put a lot of trust in him. Yeah, he has a really quick bat. Doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, you know, good approach. Had 30 walks against just 33 strikeouts and 316 plate appearances in AAA last year. So I think there's a good chance they can hit for average. I'm curious where the power will fall with him. He did add some power in AAA last year, but prior to last year, it was kind of questionable, you know, what the ceiling was there. So, you know, I see a 15 homer guy is a 20 homer guy. I think that still needs to be answered, but I do think he's going to be really good. And I think he's going to have tons of opportunity there in that Nationals lineup and, and also a long leash with a rebuilding team, yeah. which I think means something yeah. too. I had Mitch Garver ninth. Where did you have Garver? I have Garver nine as well. Awesome. One of my favorite values at catcher this spring. Same man. Yeah. 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 He's missed a ton of time over the last two years because of a, a range of injuries, intercoastal lower back, a minor knee issue, groin surgery last summer that cost him a bunch of playing time, but when healthy, he can be a force. He has been a force. Um, I did this very creative math. So bear with me, but, uh, if you erase the pandemic shortened 2020 se- season, when Garver made only 81 plate appearances and struggled, he has a 947 OPS, 44 home runs, and 101 RBIs in a span of 161 games. So that's 161 games cherry picking just 2019 and 2021. A 947 OPS, 44 home runs, just like stuff you don't really see from a catcher other than Salvador Perez last year. Uh, there was a thought going into to last spring that Ryan Jeffers was was a threat to cut into Garver's playing time, but Jeffers batted just 199 with a 270 OBP over 290 plus plate appearances last year. So maybe you take that threat away, you hope for better health, and you've got a potential masher in Garver coming at a, a heavy discount this spring. Um, I know this all like takes some squinting to see the value, but you know, that's sort of the nature of fantasy catchers and, and Garver has done it, man. He's, he's been a lethal power threat when, when he's been fully healthy. 
Yeah, the batted ball metrics, you know, backed up what he did last year. I throw out 2020 completely. I don't even think about that at all. Hits plenty of fly balls. Uh, his slugging percentage last year was 517, but his expected slugging was 546. So you could argue that he actually deserved better than what he had last year, which was really good anyway. The strikeouts, I, you know, I think it's going to be hard for him to repeat what he did in 2019. That was 24.2%. Last year is 292 So batting average, I don't know. You take 250, but you know, if he hits 25 homers, you're you're okay with that. So I think there's a pretty good chance that could happen. And also with um assuming Nelson Cruz, you know, doesn't return to the twins, I don't think that's likely. He gets he could get some chances there as well. So I, I think he's gonna have plenty of at bats. That's not gonna be an issue. And this is a guy who basically has a 280p on NFC right now. So he's someone you can wait on and probably be pretty happy with ultimately. I had Joey Bart 10th, which is probably aggressive. He's the 20th catcher off the board right now on NFC. And and that's since January 1st. So that would factor in Buster Posey's retirement. Yeah. Yeah, I have Bart 21. Wow. 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 Well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm a little aggressive here, but no, go for uh, it. Tell me your case. Yeah, We had Alex Pavlovich of NBC sports Bay area on this here podcast earlier in the winter to talk about a range of giants topics, including the situation at catcher in the wake of Posey's retirement. It's, it's worth going back to listen to that since not much has changed uh, during the lockout. The same goes for all those podcasts we did with the various beat writers, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that Joey Bart is going to be the guy now behind the plate in San Francisco. Certainly big shoes to fill. Posey went out on top and, and good for him. Uh, but Bart has been living on top 100 prospect lists ever since the Giants drafted him second overall in 2018. He has a career minor league batting average at 287, a career minor league OPS at 860, 39 homers in 197 games. Um, now gets sort of like a, a second close-up after getting rushed to the majors in 2020 when Posey opted out. Should be ready at age 25 to be a productive big league catcher. And in my mind, like are definitely a rosterable 12-team, one-catcher format type of starting option with upside um, at fantasy baseball's shallowest position. I guess, I, I mean, a lot of people are, are down on him because he hasn't done it yet in the majors. I mean, he was a big disappointment in 2020, but went back to AAA and has done all the proving he needs to do there from, from what I can see. The the warning sign for me, I think I think he's going to be a, a useful catcher, probably more likely a number two catcher in a two-catcher league. The reason I say that is because the strikeout rate in AAA last year was 29.4%. I worry a little bit about what that means when he makes yeah. the jump to the majors. Is making contact going to be an issue? You know, kind of like we talked about with the Rutschman, like you're going to be managing a pitching staff. I I do wonder if he's really going to struggle. So I think he does ha- still have something to prove there. So I'm not sure I'd rely on him as my number, you know, my number one catcher. Uh, going into the season, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Um, if the power was more of a sure thing than I'd be into it. But right now I kind of just want to wait and see before I trust him as my, my number one catcher in a mixed league. Giants magic. He's going to go all Lamonte Wade on <laughs> he you. Probably and... will. <laughs> he probably will. Evan Longoria on you and <laughs> Darren Ruff. <laughs> well, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't doubt the Giants magic. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
so I had K- I had Kbert Ruiz at ten. Eleven, I have Alejandro Kirk. Um, where did you have him on your list? I have him at thirteen. Okay. I'm I'm glad you had him up there because he's he's not going that. Yeah, I mean, either. I think with him, it's just all about opportunity. He's another one like Rushman mm-hmm. where it's it's not really a sure thing what kind of role he's going to have at the start of the season. Danny Jansen is still there. Reese McGuire is still there. Kirk could be a trade candidate. Uh, so I think that's something worth watching depending on what the Blue Jays needs are uh, prior to the season. But, you know, what we saw last year, it wasn't overly flashy. Uh, hit 242, eight homers, 764 OPS, but 22 strikeouts against 19 walks. Approach has always been excellent in the minors. And then you look at the batted ball metrics from last year, but you get you get really excited. Um, small sample to be sure, but barrel rate, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, all bode well for future production. And I mentioned 242 batting average, but his XBA was 288 last year. Uh, slugging percentage was 436, but his expected slugging was 515. So you look under the hood and, and there's some good things here. There's definitely a lot of upside, but it's just all about opportunity. Right now it's it's very unclear, but um, assuming you know the talent rises to the top here, I think he can be a top 12 catcher easily. Yeah, you, you mentioned Jansen, McGuire, Kirk, and there's also Gabriel Moreno, who's like a super yeah. fast rising catching prospect there. Yeah, in Toronto he, too. he could come to the majors this year as yeah. well. So it's it's a really tough spot for Kirk to to shine. And I do think he's one that probably is going to get traded because Moreno is the catcher of the future for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, Kirk is is like poised and deserves you know, a healthy number of at-bats. You know, whether he's yeah. behind the plate or cycling in at, at DH, the, the Blue Jays have a lot of riches offensively. So I don't know how it's going to shake out either. But in a vacuum, like he definitely belongs as at least a top 15 catcher. And he's not really going is that yet oh yeah i guess he, yeah he's kind of like he's sort of he's fringe. like the he's like the k-bert ruiz to will smith with the dodgers yep. last year yep. prior to the scherzer trade so i think he's definitely a catcher that you know if, if the situation is clear as we get to the season and maybe there is an opportunity there for him but he's one you're going to want to watch regardless yep. because whenever he's freed he's going to be good yep i had travis darno 12 um, he was a monster during the, the shortened 2020 season, batted 321 with a 919 OPS, uh, won the silver slugger at catcher. It was only 184 plate appearances and then came a rough 2021 regular season that was stunted by a torn ligament in his left thumb that required surgery, kept him off the field from May 1st to August 11th. And those type of injuries can linger, create offensive problems, but he did show up in the World Series, hit two home runs, as the Braves won their first title since 1995. The catcher position was a mess in Atlanta uh, while Darno was absent last year following that thumb procedure. The team did bring in Manny Pena over the winter, but he's more of a defensive specialist. I think it'll be Darno's job if he's healthy, and he's proven in spurts that he has the goods to be a big-time offensive threat with a very very talented lineup around him, Um, assuming Freddie Freeman – does ultimately return and that Ronald Acuna Jr. can complete his recovery from a torn ACL. I'd feel pretty comfortable, uh, pretty happy, honestly, with situating Darno as, as my late round starting catcher in a 12 team league. Um, and if, 
I don't know, maybe get a get a stash catcher just in case he has some more injury problems. But um, he, he's he's pretty proven. You know, I, I know his his numbers have been inconsistent throughout his career, but when he's on and healthy, he's he's a very talented player um, at the plate, especially. Yeah, I have him number seventeen, but there is very little separation. Yeah, you know, when you get to like twelve through, yeah, twelve through seventeen, eighteen in that range, it could fall any number of ways. I like Darno, I just do not trust him to stay healthy. Um, so yeah, I, I had to push him down. Some of these other guys who I think have a bit more upside, Christian Vasquez, I had at number twelve. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, had a bad year last year. Um, hit just 258, six homers, 659 OPS. But, you know, you look at 2019 and 2020, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Hit for average, hit for power in 2019, and still still was very productive in 2020. I'm not sure if there was an injury or something last year, but you look at the quality of contact metrics, they completely fell off the map. You have to wonder if maybe something was it play hard hit percentage between 2019 and 2020 was around 40%. Last year it fell all the way to 31.1. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of a mulligan. He's so good behind the plate that, you know, the playing time safe. It's a great situation. He makes enough contact to suggest a rebounds possible. He always chips in on the speed front. He's not like overly fast, but he'll chip in there. It's a good lineup there in Boston. He doesn't have like, to me, I would not count on 15 plus homers. You're not going to count on 10 stolen bases. You're not going to count on 80 RBIs, but it's almost like a poor man's real Muto sort of where you're going to get a little bit of everything. And I do like the ballpark. I like the lineup. I like the other AL East ballpark. So yeah, not super exciting, but given what's coming below him here, (laughs) I think he's a pretty safe play, and I think he's a nice value, given that he's two eleven point one six ADP on NFC right now. You're right that he, I had him 18th. Um, you're right that he gets a lot of playing time for the Red Sox. Just really good all around, really solid, and you know that'll probably continue in 2022. But you're sort of asking for a rebound, I think, to what could stand as a career outlier that that 2019 2020 because he had never really done it before. Um, and then, you know, he, he got a lot of playing time last year and didn't really perform, but, um, he's going to be the everyday catcher in a good Boston lineup. I, I get the appeal. He's, he's safe. Uh, I don't think there's much excitement there. Not yeah. that there's much excitement as we move down the board here. I had, uh, I had, so I had Alejandro Kirk 13. I had Sean Murphy 14. Same. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty high on Murphy this time last year, had an 846 OPS through his first 200 major league plate appearances between 2019, 2020, then comes a 710 OPS in a 216 batting average in 448 plate appearances last year, struggled really badly against lefties. So you worry about an increasing platoon coming into play in Oakland. He did reach 17 homers and 23 doubles, ranked high on the max exit velocity leaderboard, won a gold glove. Um, there's a lot of talent there, uh, but Murphy just couldn't find very much consistency at the at the plate for an A's team that's likely to look a whole lot different, a whole lot worse uh, once the smoke is cleared on, on the frenzy of post-lockout 
activity. There's talk about Matt Olson being traded, Matt Chapman being traded, and some of their pitchers being traded too. But I, there's a form of like post type appeal with with Murphy with yeah. the full story. Um, more of a borderline option in standard leagues and in, in standard one catcher leagues where we sit right now. But it would not surprise me if he becomes a useful catcher in like even 12 team formats. I think he had um, last spring, if you remember, he had a couple of procedures for a collapsed lung. Right. So that couldn't have been an easy situation to navigate going into the 2021 season. You know, so with a, I mean, it, nothing's going to be normal about this year, but. Um, assuming he goes into the season healthy and not missing time, missing rhythm with the pitching staff and at the plate, I think we could see a nice bounce back from him. He's, he makes a lot of solid contact. So I'm definitely a fan. I see some upside there. What do you think of uh, Elias Diaz with the Rockies? I had him 15th. Man. Okay, I have him 13th, but I would never use him on the road. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, well, the splits I've, were it, really dramatic. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've talked in years past about like finding cheaper ways to get a little course field effect on your roster, but this year, like most every Rockies player is, is going to be cheap. CJ Crone probably going to go the highest in draft, but even he's going outside the top 120, 120 right now. Brendan really Rodgers is popular. Yeah, right he's he's pretty popular, but yeah, Diaz is going 247th. Yeah, um, had 18 homers, a 774 OPS, and 106 total games last season. But like you mentioned, it was a lot of it was at home and and not much everywhere else. He did get a big three year, not a big three year extension, but three years, 14.5 million in November to to be the guy at catcher for the Rockies while they do whatever they're doing. Uh, <laughs> from a rebuilding standpoint, whatever but, they're doing, we're yeah. they're rockying. Yeah, you, but Diaz was a he was a non-factor in fantasy for the first six years of his major league career. Five of those in Pittsburgh, and then suddenly goes to Colorado, and he's useful. Um, it, I don't know in, in like a sixteen-team one-catcher league, or or like you mentioned with with leagues that allow for daily lineup changes, he's he's an interesting target. Yeah, absolutely. He makes a decent amount of contact. I don't think he's not going to be necessarily a batting average liability. Uh, I don't know how much I really believe in the power, but you know, when you play a course field, I don't know if that really matters. Uh, probably fair to expect him to take a step back. But like you said, if you can make your lineup changes uh, daily, I think he's a great option. DFS, obviously. Um, but yeah, you probably want to draft two catchers, even in a single catcher league, if you have him or just alternate players, move move players in and out of that spot. Yeah. Do we want to, do we have to talk about Gary Sanchez? I don't really want to. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have Mike Zanino and Gary Sanchez back to back 15, 16. Dude. Uh, I think Z- Zanino so interesting yeah. to analyze. What was that season? I, I like, I have no idea. He batted. All right. He batted 161 with a five, five, five fifty six OPS in 337 plate appearances between 2019 and 2020, suddenly explodes for a career-high 33 home runs and 860 OPS in 375 plate appearances last year. So same sample size, insanely different results from you know an established guy who's now going on his 10th major league season. I don't think he's as bad as those numbers from 2019-2020 no. suggest, but I also don't believe that he's nearly as good as what he did last year. He had an incredible barrel percentage in 2021 i think he was like 
I think he led the league. I mean, you got to factor in that he didn't have as many at bats as most players, but um, and was there some or some players? But I, was there some luck involved in like turning his contact into home runs? And he dominated left-handed pitching to a level that is just not sustainable. Like three forty-two average, twelve eighty-seven OPS versus lefties. 151, 637 OPS against righties. It, it's just one of the weirdest seasons I can remember having to evaluate. And it seems like there's a ton of built-in like natural regression uh, that you should expect to come in 2022. Yeah, I mean, if he hits under 200, you would not be surprised. You know what I mean? Uh, still yeah. struck out 35% of the time last year. You know you're going to get power, but the batting average is a huge red flag. And the same with Gary Sanchez. And Sanchez, you know, in addition to his struggles behind the plate, last year he saw notable drop-offs in average exit velocity, barrel percentage, which, you know, we're used to seeing him be elite in those areas. So it's getting harder and harder to justify playing him. So I could see him either losing playing time or being traded. Um, Maybe he's traded to a better situation where he can be a DH. Who knows? But we don't know that right now. I think the Yankees will still add a catcher before opening day. And if that happens, Sanchez's future is completely cloudy and it already is pretty cloudy. So he's, I'm not going anywhere near Sanchez unless he's traded to a situation where he can just focus on hitting and that's not right now. So I'm staying away. This is, is, it's his final year under team control finder year, final year of arbitration eligibility. And there wouldn't, appear to be any momentum toward like contract extension talks between the Yankees and Sanchez. So this could be it for him in the Bronx. Like, yeah. All right. On the one hand, you have the raw power tools, um, a good amount of homers, even through all the struggles on the other hand. Yeah. He's batted just two Oh one with a two ninety nine OBP over nearly 1500 plate appearances going back to the beginning of 2018. He's like a one category guy. Um, but really hurts you in batting average, and there's no indication that that's ever going to improve. The universal DH might help the cause for Sanchez to like carve out a, a more lasting career. It opens up his market to the NL when he presumably does reach free agency next winter or you know is a, a trade piece potentially before the season or during the season. Um, but just there, there hasn't been enough overall development here, and leaving Yankee Stadium is not going to help his profile. Sure, sure. So we can quickly go through the rest of our uh, catchers here. I have Carson Kelly, 18th, Omar Narvaez, 19, Austin Nola, 20. I think Nola's a really good bounce back candidate based off of what he did in in 2019, 2020. He was hurt a ton last year, finger, knee, and thumb injuries. Only appeared in 56 games. Uh, Hit 272 with a 340 on base, but just two home runs, but you know, given the type of injuries he's had, um, I think he's a really good value for being a bounce back. Not someone you're counting on in a single catcher league, but I see some decent bounce back appeal with with Nola. Yeah, I mean, the, the Padres situation might even be more clouded than the Blue Jays catcher situation. Like Luis Camposano, I had 23. Hmm. He's one of those players who could carve out a path to a, a breakout on account of the DH that. arriving in the National League. There are a ton of catchers right now on the Padres roster. Nola, Victor Caratini. You may or may not remember that they acquired Jorge Alfaro from the Marlins just right. before the yeah. lockout. That's, they're probably going to play him in the outfield, I guess. But Who knows? Um, yeah, so maybe a post-lockout trade will kind of clear some of this up. 
it's just hard to project playing time. It's hard to project Nola staying healthy. Yep. Um, and Camposano has been talked about as a trade candidate for a while now. You know, that's mostly because other teams want him. It seems like a, like a good hitting catching prospect. Um, does he get worked in at DH? I, I have no idea, but his career minor league slash line is 301, 370, 469. He had a 906 OPS with 15 homers and 81 games last year at AAA. He can hit, so we, yep. we at least know that part. But, yeah, hard to say how he figures in. I had Carson Kelly. Let, let me go through my uh, 19 Max Stassi, uh, 20 Omar Navarez, 21 Carson Kelly, 22 Eric Haas. 23 Camposano, 24 James McCann. What's your take on McCann? Like any hope for a bounce back second year with the Mets? Well, his first year with the Mets Probably looked not. a lot like his Tigers career. Um, yeah, he got off to such a terrible start that I think it brought down his overall numbers. Um, there were some, some big ups and downs as the season moved along, but I could see him putting up decent numbers yeah two catcher league kind of but i'm certainly down on him from where i was a year ago uh definitely because i think i had him on the fringe of the top 12 um i think with mccann the the thing you have to think about is that his playing time should be pretty safe yeah uh, Tom, tomas nito's there um and he's he's a really good defensive catcher um he was hurt a little bit last year too after getting off to a good start but i don't see him taking the lion's share of playing time there. Uh, so I think you're going to get decent counting stats out, out of McCann. Um, it's interesting. You didn't put any respect on Yadier Molina's name here. He's number 25, man. Okay. I have 23 <laughs> for, for Molina. And again, wow. it's just like safety of playing time for me. Yeah. I think he's just going to be in there and you're going to, he's probably going to, well, who knows a new manager. We'll see where he hits, but uh, yeah, he tends to be like what fifth or sixth the Cardinals lineup for yeah. some reason. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I he doesn't have much left in the tank offensively in my mind, but yeah. he said this is going to be his final year. You know, the playing time, like he said, should be significant like it's always been as he does this farewell tour. So still on the radar, only barely, but because he t- he like tends to happen into RBI chances yeah, exactly. with a fruitful lineup spot. Maybe the lineup will change on, under new manager Ali Marmol at it has seemed for a while now, though, that, that Yachty just writes the lineups. In St. Louis, so. <laughs> yeah, I have Jan Gomes like right on the edge. Yeah. And and if Wilson Contreras gets traded, you know, he'll be a respectable, a respectable number two catcher in a two catcher mixed league. Uh, one prospect I wanted to mention, um, you know, we have Salvador Perez at number one, but MJ, MJ Melendez, Melendez mm-hmm. uh, he is very close and some people think he could even maybe make the opening day roster, could see time out of the DH spot. He can but, play the field a little bit too. Yeah, no, I mean he'll. I'm sure he'll get some. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, real power there, and mm-hmm. he could be a, a decent sleeper, depending on what the Royals do. And the Royals surprises sometime with their decisions. So I think he's a name to watch going into spring training whenever the heck that happens yeah. but i'm i think he's a definitely a a player who could be on the rise throughout spring training he's someone to watch closely i did want to say stassi's kind of interesting like yeah i missed, like him too yeah missed time last year with a thumb injury and like a lingering concussion and really struggled over the final month i think he was just like exhausted like all of the angels were except shohei otani 
Um, but there was some good stuff from him midseason, and he'll return as the starting catcher inside an Angels lineup that can be a whole lot better if Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon stay healthy and Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh makes make leaps. I could see Stassi being an attractive like waiver wire ad at some point, and he's worth draft day consideration in two catcher formats for sure. Eric Haas, like another confusing player to evaluate, 22 homers, 61 RBIs in 98 games last year for the Tigers, uh, but terrible batting average, terrible on base. He's already 29 years old and hadn't really had much experience in the majors before last season. And Tucker Barnhart is in Detroit now, yeah. by far the better defensive player of these two. That could be a timeshare, or they could just go with Barnhart to like manage that young pitching staff. Yeah, so we just talked about catchers for an hour, and I know um, that was too long. No, I mean if, if that's not a sign that we need like baseball to come back, I don't know <laughs> what is. But hopefully, you guys got something uh, useful out of this as you start to prepare for fantasy drafts, get fantasy baseball on the brain. And like I said, we're going to shift to two episodes per week beginning next week. Uh, Colin and Chris are going to cover first baseman next monday and then drew and i will be back next thursday we're going to talk second baseman so i'm going to get rolling with this and and hopefully good news on the other side as as far as the lockout and before you know it hopefully fingers crossed we'll we'll see players back at their spring training camps and who knows maybe that's wishful thinking but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that we could be headed in a good direction soon yeah I, we got to keep these episodes evergreen and we got to close out our catcher episode at an hour and 10 minutes, but <laughs> I'm optimistic too. I, I think, I think it gets done. Um, we talked about this before we started recording, but I think it gets done sometime in early March and there's enough time to get in like four weeks of spring training and maybe you start the season a week or two late, but it seems like there, I don't know. There's not, it, it doesn't seem like it should be that complicated. And I'm not saying that as like in like a, a macro view of, of the CBA situation. I, I feel like most of the really big issues are solvable. Like once the players dropped the idea of, of getting to free agency faster, like they, they really dropped that quickly. Um, and now you've got the luxury tax thresholds, which needs to be sorted out. You've got this pre-arbitration player bonus pool that needs to be sorted out, but that feels doable within, you know, there's going to be some more posturing, but within the next couple of weeks, I, I think we get there. Why don't you say this on Twitter so everyone can attack you? <laughs> I think I did say it on okay. Twitter. <laughs> but th then you get called like anti-labor. Yeah, no, no. and... <laughs> oh, uh, but anyway, Twitter. from your lips to God's ears, let's let's hope it happens. Um, yeah. All right. If you like what you're hearing with the show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. The same goes for Spotify. You can rate podcasts on there now as well. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silk. Be safe out there, everyone. We will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.